following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Today we're going to talk about the centrality of Jesus Christ in our hearts and in our lives. But before I do, before I pray, I want to say thank you. You are a precious listening congregation you have stepped forward again 
for this past month, and you have covered the cost of this radio broadcast, some of you at great sacrifice. You have humbled my heart before you and before God. Last Thursday, I shared with you as we came to the end of the month that we were still short and the radio cost had not been covered. That night, about 10 p.m., I received a text from a precious brother. He said, Pastor Ray, you said on the broadcast we were still short, but you did not say by how much. I texted him back, and I said, we're $490 short. Quickly back came a text saying, Pastor Ray, I'll put a check in the mail for $490. And with that, the radio broadcast for the month of March was completely covered. Now, his was not alone. There were others, even precious brothers and sisters who are totally outside of the Washington metro area, people from New York, Texas, and other places who listen daily to this broadcast, who have sacrificed, along with those of you who live in the Washington metro area. All I can come and say today is thank you my brothers and my sisters you have warmed my heart you have said this message of of sanctification of holiness is precious to your heart all i can do is say thank you thank you now let's pray almighty god I come once more to lift up the precious name of Jesus. For I want your people to be washed in the blood. I want them to be made whiter than snow, cleansed of all sin, walking holy before you, walking with a heart that understands and obeys your word. Lord, would you come now? Would you minister by your Holy Spirit? Would you open our eyes and our ears? And would you give us new hearts? I pray in your holy name. Amen. This doctrine, and usually I don't talk very much about specific doctrines, But doctrines are very important. They take us places. It was John Wesley who said that if people are walking in sin and rebellion, it's because they have been mistaught. They have not been taught the true gospel of Jesus. And so they have misunderstandings, and they are not then able to enter into the fullness of Jesus. Well, this doctrine of holiness, this doctrine of sanctification is absolutely essential. It's essential for the church today. I just read 
500 churches have been closed in London, in Londonstan. And more than 500 new mosques have been opened, often where there was once a Methodist church or another denomination's building. These churches have been closed. They've been purchased and they've been turned into mosques. Essentially, in Britain, paganism, and I consider Islam a pagan religion, paganism is growing by leaps and bounds. And the Christian church in Europe is being erased. The same thing is beginning to happen in America. There is only one answer to this problem, and that is a new understanding in the hearts of God's people regarding holiness and sanctification. It alone will afford the purity and the power necessary to please God. And that which then enables us to see him and to be baptized in his Holy Spirit. I was recently with a group of church people, not from the National Prayer Chapel. And I was deeply moved by the pastors speaking of the Holy Spirit and the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the confession of people that they had received the fullness of the Holy Spirit. But then I saw pride, self, arrogance, I saw sin. In other words, go to church, claim that you're baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit, claim that you're a Christian, and then go home and sit in front of the television and watch the violent movies or go and play the violent video games or, or get angry and yell and scream at your wife or your husband cheat, lie, fornicate. All of that seems to be okay with the Christian church today. You're saved whether you sin or not. You're saved eternally. God has unconditional love for you. The result is the church can claim to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and Calvinists, Lutherans, and Methodist, all the three primary Protestant streams of Christianity in America, all claim baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Coptic Church claims that when you're baptized as an infant, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. But there is a total missing of true holiness and righteousness. Without this true holiness and true sanctification, we will never be capable as the church to carry out the great commission. 
The doctrine of holiness is the message of this final hour. It is the message. It is the final message. It is that which calls God's people to surrender, to be consecrated, to be washed. I'm going to share with you in a few minutes a portion of Psalm 51. We're King David admitting his sinful condition before God, cries out, purge me with hyssop, wash me. Well, that word, purge me, purge, or wash as it's translated, same word translated purge and wash in the NIV. That word literally in the Hebrew means unsin me unsin me that's the name of today's broadcast by the way unsin me it's the cry of the heart that recognizes its wickedness from inborn sin david did not talk about unsin me from the sin with bathsheba he was speaking about the inborn wicked nature and he was saying unsin me now it's very clear that the world will not find Calvary until the church finds Pentecost now because I believe that is so I'm going to speak with you again today about holiness, about sanctification. Now, just in way of review, to sanctify is defined in the English dictionary as to make free from sin, to cleanse from moral corruption and pollution, to purify. Remember John... 17 verse 17 where Jesus prays sanctify them through thy truth in other words to sanctify means to purify or free from sin to sanctify your heart to make holy specifically to make free from sin, to purify, to set apart as holy, to consecrate, to make a person holy. Now, I've shared with you a number of times on this broadcast that the work of making us holy, and I won't go through all the scriptures today, but as way of review, to make holy is a work, a supernatural work of grace that the Lord Jesus does in our hearts by a washing, a purging, a purifying. So the Greek word hagiadzo, to sanctify, in the Christian experience is absolutely necessary first for salvation and secondly to accomplish the work of the gospel. 
the church today in America is basically powerless. When I asked my pastor, dear Pastor David Wilkerson, before he passed, he was the godliest man I knew. And so I asked him, will you you let me come to New York to Times Square Church and will you anoint me with oil for the full baptism of the Holy Spirit and to my shock and surprise he said no do not come I said why David brother David why and he said Ray brother Ray he called me I have not received the full baptism of the Holy Spirit, even though I have struggled with this issue all of my life and through all of my ministry. He said, you're going to have to do the same thing that I have to do and many others have to do. We have to go in the small anointing that we have received. I literally wept when he told me that. I frankly do not know a pastor today in America who has received the Pentecost baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are those in the past who have received it. John Wesley received the full baptism of the Holy Spirit. Reese Howells received the full baptism of the Holy Spirit. And there are others, men of great integrity, who received the full baptism of Pentecost. And because of that baptism, Charles Finney was able to bring to the gospel more than 250,000 new believers. Without the aid of radio or television, because there was no such thing. He was baptized in power. Now, we must also receive this baptism. If the work of the gospel, the work that has been assigned to us by Jesus, the Matthew proclamation of the gospel commission. We must receive this baptism, but it only comes as sanctifying power. It will not come as we walk in our rebellion and our sin, the casualness and the entertainment of the modern church. There's going to have to be a total change of heart in our churches and in us as pastors again in John seventeen seventeen, Jesus said in his prayer for us sanctify them in other words make them free from sin cleanse them from moral corruption from pollution Make them pure. In Acts one fifteen, or I'm sorry, first Acts one five, 
he promised that you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts 2.4, the answer to both the prayer and the fulfillment of the promise was realized. They were all filled by the Holy Spirit, not just the apostles, but everyone in that upper room. They were sanctified. They were baptized. And they were absolutely empowered to proclaim the gospel. In Romans, the sixth chapter, we're called to be baptized into Jesus' death. This is not speaking about a ceremonial baptism. It is a real baptism. Now, the ceremonial baptism is important. But that's not what's being spoken of specifically here in Romans, the sixth chapter. Let me turn to it. In this sixth chapter of Romans, he says very specifically, let me read it for you. Romans 6. Are you ignorant that as many as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried together with him by the means of the baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised out from among the dead by the glory of the Father, so also we may walk around in newness of life, that is, walk around without sin, washed and made whole. Verse 5, For if we have become united in the similarity of his death, then we shall also be united in the similarity of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, so that the body of sin may be destroyed, that we not hereafter serve sin. For the one having died has been freed from sin. But if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Now, many of you believe that you can live with Christ and not die, not be crucified. Just say a little sinner's prayer. We have so cheapened holiness and sanctification that we have lost all credibility in our culture. We have, and I must confess, I have not taught through the years of my ministry with the strength and the courage that I should have exercised in teaching that when we are baptized into the death of Jesus, we are baptized into his death. And we are raised, washed, and made clean, and no longer walking in sin. Is that your experience? 
Have you been unsinned by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ? If you are still walking in your sin, you are not walking in Christ Jesus. Now, I've been sharing, and again as review, that there are two parts to this unsinning. There is the first work of being justified, and we have wrongly identified, dekasune, the Greek word for justification, we have wrongly said that that means only the forgiveness of past sins. That's not what the Greek word means. The Greek word literally means to be rendered innocent or to be made righteous. When a man is baptized into Jesus Christ, when he dies, when he is crucified with Christ, he no longer lives, but Christ lives in him, and he now no longer walks in any known sin. Now, the modern church wants to say, you must always be sinning because even when you are unconscious of your sin, you are sinning. Wrong. Sin, by the Apostle John's definition and the biblical definition, not the classical Greek definition, but the de- definition of sin used in Scripture, says that sin is always volitional or voluntary. Sin is always voluntary. To be sin, it must be consciously chosen. Sin is not a mistake. Wesley was very clear about that. Sin is not a mistake. Sin is not somehow not being able physically to do what I'm supposed to do. The classical Greek definition of sin would be, of course, if I went out on the golf course and I did not make par on that, on that hole, that would be called sin because I've missed the mark. That's not sin. That's My body is not coordinated sufficiently or disciplined sufficiently to be able to make par on that hole. I could struggle all my life to try to learn the coordination effort necessary to get that hole in one, and I would never get it. That's not sin. Sin is not just missing the mark. Sin is a voluntary giving of myself in rebellion against Jesus, choosing that which is of darkness out of the wicked, evil nature that I was born with. So sin, again, in the nature, comes in two parts. One is the volunteering of my members to sin against God. This is utterly removed. I am sanctified when I die with Christ. But then I have this sinful nature residing in me that is going to always war against the members of my body. Sanctification second work of grace removes that carnal nature we're going to talk about that this week so 
Paul in chapter 6 of Romans, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed, that we not hereafter serve sin, for the one having died, having been freed from sin. Now, I want you to notice, Paul says that our old man was crucified. The old sinful nature is crucified. It is destroyed. So most modern Christians want to say that, oh, I've been baptized. I'm now a Christian, but I'm going to always struggle with sin. That's not the biblical teaching. The biblical teaching is that you must be made holy now. It is a present experience. It is also a crisis sanctification. Wesley called it a crisis sanctification. When we come to Jesus Christ, we come with finally a revelation of our wickedness. And we make a choice to consecrate ourselves to Jesus Christ and by a supernatural work of grace, we are changed into his likeness. But there still remains that old man that has to be crucified. And that usually comes in a second experience. Now, I'm not saying it can't all happen at one sweep, but it usually, in my experience, does not happen in a, in a full sweep. I wish it did, but often it does not. Usually, we come to Jesus and we're made righteous. But the old man continues to war against us. That doesn't mean we sin. We don't. We don't go back to that old sin. We can if we give way. And then we find in First John the promise that if we, if we do give way, we have an advocate with the Father. We will be forgiven. But then it says we will be purified completely purified so we don't go back to that sin again verse 7 for the one having died has been freed from sin freed from sin but if we died with christ we believe that we shall also live with him knowing that Christ, having been raised out from among dead men, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him, for he, for in that he died, he died with reference to sin once and for all. But in that he lives, he lives with respect to God. So also you must think yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but living for God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Some of you insist on thinking of yourself as a continual sinner. That's wrong thinking. It is destructive thinking. You must instead consider yourself freed from sin. Verse 12, therefore, the sin must not reign in your mortal body to obey it in the lust of it. 
and you must not yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness to the sin, but once for all yield yourselves to God as living out from among the spiritually dead men, and yield your members as instruments of righteousness for God. For sin will not rule over you, because you are not under law, but under grace." This is not grace that covers over sin as the modern church wants to teach. This is the divine miracle, the supernatural work of God that changes us from sinners into saints. It is not by law, it is not by my hard work. It is a supernatural work of God that he will perform in a man or woman who is willing to be crucified with Christ. And you must no longer allow sin to reign in your mortal body. Now I know this is not popular with many of you because you've been taught something else for so many years. And there's a part of you that still loves your sin. Be honest with me. You want to be able to have Jesus in heaven and your sin. And I'm bringing to you the bad news that you cannot have Jesus and your sin. And I am bringing to you the good news that there is the power of the blood to totally set you free from all wickedness and all sin. But it will require that you be crucified with Jesus Christ. Paul continues, verse 15 of chapter 6, Romans 6, verse 15, What then shall we sin even once hereafter? Because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you yield yourselves as servants to obey, you are servants to whom you obey, whether of sin in death or of obedience in righteousness? But thanks be to God, because you used to be servants of sin, but you obeyed out from the heart a standard of teaching unto which you were delivered, and have been freed from sin, you were made servants with reference to righteousness. Very honest, serious question. Have you been unsinned? Have you been made righteous? Have you even been converted? Have you been born again? If you are walking in your sin, you have not been converted yet. You have not been born again yet. A person who has been born again lives a new life in Christ Jesus. Now please... We won't go there now, but as way of review, you do have the ability to go back and rebuild what the Holy Spirit 
has built. You can tear down the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart, and you can go back to your wickedness and your sin, and you will be lost. You must walk clean before God, sanctified, made holy. The sixth chapter of Romans, read it, read it, read it, meditate upon it. It is life for you. I'm not coming preaching Ray Greenlee's theology. I don't have a theology except as it's expressed in the written word of God. I've shared with you Romans 6. You are not to continue walking in your wickedness or you will be lost. You must be born again. Remember, the definition of to sanctify is to make free from sin. It is to cleanse from moral corruption and pollution. It is to purify. Only the blood of Jesus can do this work in your heart. You cannot do it on your own. It is a supernatural work of grace. But you are going to have to come, and you're going to have to confess your sin. You are going to have to ask Jesus to deliver you from that sin. You are going to have to pay the price in time and energy to lay before God, to read the scriptures, to search after Jesus with all your heart. This is not a casual endeavor. It is a life and death struggle. And if you do not engage in that life and death struggle, you may be very religious, but you will not be born from above and you will not be saved. Many in the Christian church today are merely pagans who have been spray-painted with Jesus, so they have been vaccinated against the gospel, the true gospel of Jesus, the gospel of righteousness and holiness, the gospel of being set free from the devil's power. You've not been set free. You don't know Jesus. You have an amalgamation of the positive thinking teachers you have an amalgamation of of the reform doctrine you have an amalgamation of you've gathered a little here and a little there but you don't know jesus christ very religious trying hard struggling against sin trying to hang on to your positive beliefs saying over and over your positive affirmations i believe i believe jesus will do this for me the money will come i will be set free but you don't know jesus yet <laughs> my brother my sister you must be made holy if you are going to go to heaven you must be sanctified entirely you must be transformed into the likeness of Jesus you must be born from above you must be crucified with Christ religion will not get you there only heartbroken confession of sin and searching after Jesus fasting and praying, hungering after Jesus. 
This is the only thing that will get you there. Now, I've spoken today about the initial work of sanctification. It is begun in the conversion experience where we leave all sin, all known sin. A believer is sanctified. They're made holy. You are saved from sinful acts. You are delivered from the drugs. You are delivered from the fornication. You're delivered from anger and bitterness and rancor. You're delivered from all known sin. But you still have in you that old nature. Now please, sanctification is not, and holiness is not, a new religion. It is the completion of that which was begun in the initial conversion. 1 Corinthians 1, 2, the church is referred to as to the ones having been sanctified in Christ Jesus. This sanctification, as a fact, is initial, but it is complete. Now, as he continues in Corinthians, he shows that these Christians, immature, go back and begin to walk in pride, in carnality, in difficulty with each other, arguing about, I'm for Paul, I'm for this one, I'm for that one, I'm for Peter. And he rebukes them for this. And he calls them to full baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, the Reformation teachers and the Calvinist advocates all teach that complete sanctification does not occur until we are on the other side of the grave. But this is this is not the faith of Scripture. It's not the faith of the Apostle Paul in Romans, the sixth chapter. And so the modern church has been robbed of the benefit of the atonement for literally hundreds of years. It has removed elements of the faith that are necessary for us to be made holy. Thus, we have been put in a position where we do not have the power or the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The power of God has been subverted and the doctrine of being wholly sanctified has been lost. This is the most urgent necessity of the modern church. There is a moral necessity that we be made holy, that we be sanctified, that we be washed by the blood of the Lamb. This is an absolute necessity. It is the centrality. It is making Jesus Christ everything to us. 
the National Prayer Chapel. You will always hear us say, Jesus is everything. I am nothing. Jesus is the head of the church, not me, not Pastor Ray. Jesus is the head of the church. And everywhere he must be lifted up, he must be glorified. Not men, not fawning over men and patting them on the back and telling them how wonderful they are. Not jokes and laughter, not entertainment. Jesus. We must lift up Jesus as he is revealed in the scriptures. He is central to the gift of atonement. It is his blood. It is what he shed in his death on Calvary on behalf of the lost world. He resisted sin to the point of death and then was offered as that atoning sacrifice, that priestly atoning sacrifice. And we must recognize that Jesus Christ must be central for those of us who want to take the gospel to the world. It is he who must stand at the head of the company of earth's redeemed men and women who give themselves to the greatest call of the ages, the gospel to every person on the earth. You must understand that the gospel commission and holiness and sanctification stand in inseparable relationship one to another. It is not possible for us to carry out the Great Commission apart from the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of us have a small anointing, and so I come in the anointing I have, and I call you to sanctification and holiness. I call you to repent of your sins and to turn to Jesus and to find salvation, to find cleansing, to find purity in Jesus Christ. Now you know that Jesus issued a restraining order to the church of his day. He compelled them to tarry in Jerusalem until they were holy and empowered by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now this anointing of the Holy Spirit. Wesley talks about this. He said in in 1729, my brother Charles and I, reading the Bible, saw we could not be saved without holiness. And following after it, we incited others to do the same. And in 1737, we saw that holiness comes by faith. In 1738, we saw that men are justified before they are sanctified. That is, he's using the word justified as the initial conversion to Jesus Christ, where all sin is put away. 
Many of you are not even yet at that place in your walk with Jesus. You've been religious, but you have never put away sin. You've never just finally met Jesus Christ and confessed the depth of your wickedness of heart, your double-mindedness, your slowness of heart. You've never wept before Jesus and confessed fully all that is necessary. You're just very religious people. Well, John and Charles Wesley saw that men had to be transformed and all known sin put away. And that then after that, they were sanctified, holy. He continues, but still holiness was our object. Inward and outward holiness. God then thrust us out to raise up a holy people. It was two years later, two years before his death, that John Wesley wrote these words. This doctrine, that is, this doctrine of entire sanctification, this doctrine of holiness, this doctrine, he wrote, is the grand depositum or deposit which God has lodged with a people called Methodist for the sake of promulgating this chiefly, he appears to have raised us up. So John and Charles Wesley believed that God raised up the Methodist Church for the purpose of calling all men to be entirely sanctified, to have the first work of grace done in leaving all known sin, and the second work of grace to be accomplished, which means even the old carnal nature is totally removed from the heart. Did he believe you could still be tempted? Absolutely. The devil comes and tempts every man and woman who wants to follow Jesus Christ. But no longer the inner battle, no longer the inner struggle. And he speaks of this as a crisis, sanctification. Now, he also speaks about the, the lower way and the highway. The low way he referred to as that work of simply being fully freed from our sin. The highway he referred to as having the carnal nature removed. And he also said that a church will not grow and prosper. New converts will not be made if the pastor does not continually call for entire sanctification. I am calling you today in the tradition of this dear man, John Wesley. I am calling you to entire sanctification. And I know as I call you to entire sanctification that many of you have not even yet been born from above. You still walk in your sin. But so that we're clear, you are called to that initial work of justification, of being made holy, of made righteous. That's what dikasune means in the Old English, to be made righteous. I know this cuts against your Calvinist teaching. It cuts against the positive thinking teaching. But this is what John Wesley said. The whole Methodist church was raised up 
to call men and women to leave all known sin, to be born again, to be crucified with Christ. And then to have even that sinful nature removed. Well, we'll pick up here tomorrow. We're out of time. I pray today's been helpful to you, my brother and my sister. You've been listening to Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. If you disagree with what I've taught, I urge you to read Romans, the sixth chapter, Psalm 51, Galatians, Ephesians. Read, read, read. Devour the scripture and find for yourself the miracle of being made clean in Jesus. Now, I urge you, please, go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. We're now also on a Twitter feed. You're welcome to follow us. Sign up today. My brother, my sister, it's time to be serious about Jesus and to get clean. Almighty God, I know that you have raised up the National Prayer Chapel for that grand purpose of calling your people to be born from above, to be washed and made clean, to be entirely sanctified, to bring forth revival in this day of wickedness in the church and in the world. Lord God, come. I pray in your holy name. Amen. I love you, my brother, my sister. Thank you for listening and for walking with me. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.